cord is pulled, it's time for the Media Pope podcast. Your cord's up to extension. Your cord starts the motor. Yeah. So, yeah. So if you don't have a push yeah. to start. And this is the motor media boat, then, yeah, I guess you do. Motor your media boat. Motor your media boat. It's the Media Boat Podcast. That means, one, we get to ramble. Um, and two, it means that this is your source for news about movies, television, video games, and music. Not necessarily in that order. Got a little hand motions to go with my thing there. Yes, this cool. definitely plays on the podcast. Definitely plays <laughs> um, on an audio medium. Uh, you may be watching this uh, live, though, if you're watching our stream on YouTube.com. Media Boat Podcast is both a live show and a recorded audio podcast. So however you like absorbing our content, we thank you. Yes, thank you for absorbing us. Thank you for absorbing us like like sun. Like you are a plant with chlorophyll. Um, just, yeah. just soaking you in. It is, it is summer. June the 26th. 7th. 27th. 27th. Day off. Uh, June the 27th, 2018, this is episode 129. Next week will be a big 130. Oh. Can you believe it? Get to the 13s. But for now, it's episode 129, uh, end of June here. Next week, it will be July. Next week, it'll also be, um... July 4th, like, podcasting on July 4th. How are we going to do that? Oh, yeah, shoot. We didn't think about that, did we? Am I get- we may do a Thursday show. Uh, we may do no. We may do a Tuesday show the night. Well, wait, you know you're gonna be gone. We're gonna be gone too. Oh yeah, we got Tuesday. Yeah. So yeah, maybe we'll do a Thursday show next week. So we'll probably be a day later than usual for for our next episode. But hey, we'll let you know. Uh, just that that may just be an audio format. Yeah. Find only. us on our our social media channels, and we'll let you know the newest updates for when the show is next week. But as for this week, it'll be a regular show. So let's go. Right into it. We always start the Media Boat Podcast with movies, and we always start movies with the weekend's okay. box office numbers. So no surprise here at what was number one. Yeah. We call it this. Yes. Pratosaurus Money Box. Pratosaurus Chris uh, in Jurassic World colon Fallen Kingdom. Jurassic World colon. <laughs> Jurassic World colon Fallen Kingdom <laughs> is your number one movie this week with 148 million bucks. Woo! Woo! However, that may sound like a lot, but consider that Incredibles 2, the previous week, made 185, and the original, or in Jurassic World... Set a record. Set, went over 200 million. Right. So not as great as, I'm sure, uh, the studio would dream about, but still, decent money. It's nothing to sneeze at, that's for sure. Nothing to sneeze at. Incredibles 2 uh, came in at number 2 with another $80 million, adding to its... $350 $350 million total. Yes, that $350 million automatically puts it in the top five of the year. Nice. And I think it puts it on the fourth biggest movie domestically so far. Good for it. Making that money. We saw... Can you name the other three? Uh, no. Two <laughs> Disney's and a superhero. Two Disney's well, and a they're superhero. All, they're all, they're exactly, they're all, they're all superheroes. Deadpool. And? Uh, uh, Infinity War. And? And... Black Panther. There you go. There it is. There it is. 
Uh, yeah, they're all definitely all superheroes. Yep. <laughs> all right, and Incredibles two is superheroes too. <laughs> so yeah, uh, we saw Incredibles two. Uh, we'll uh, talk about it once we wrap up the top five here. Yes. But yes, uh, so we will have thoughts. We have some thoughts. Oh, we got some thoughts about it. Now, coming in at number three, Ocean's Eight hops down the list here with another eleven million dollars. Tag Jeremy Renner's Fake Arms yeah. coming in at number four with another eight million. And lastly, rounding out your top five, still. The aforementioned Deadpool 2, earning another $5 million, bringing its total worldwide to $304 million. Uh, that's domestic. That's domestic. You have $110 million there. I'm uh, not really sure which number is which. Uh, the 110 is how much it cost. Oh. I didn't realize those were budgets. Yeah. I should probably switch that, though. Don't, yeah. Uh, we don't do budgets, so I'll just do worldwide now. Don't even bother with budgets. Yeah. We don't care. Yeah, I'll just put all these worldwide. movies have made money. That's all you need to know. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, especially Ocean Date has that crossed the right. hundred million mark. Easy, easy money. So yeah, uh, that's your top five. So yeah, like I said, we saw. Well, we have upcoming Incredibles. movies. Incredibles. Oh, you want to do that first? Yeah. All right. Well, if you're wondering what movie to see that's not The Incredibles two, uh, or Jurassic World, coming yes. this weekend, you have two movies. You have Cesario two. Sicario. Sicario two. Yes. I don't know what this is. This is a sequel to Sicario. Uh, you don't say. To Sicario, Day of the Dead. Um, uh-huh. Sequel to Sicario that came out four, three years ago, I think, uh, starring Josh Brolin. Okay. And um, Benicio Del Toro in a Mexican gang war versus U.S. Border Patrol, I think they are. Or like some type of special U.S. forces. Versus Mexican gangs in Mexico. Uh, the first one was definitely good. I really suggest uh, checking it out. Definitely a fresh take on basically what, what was 90s almost gangster movies. But definitely shoot 'em ups mm-hmm. So this one looks good. Um, I might be checking this one out. Okay, cool. If I had the time. I'll yeah, be super busy this upcoming week. Also this weekend, Uncle Drew. This is the basketball movie based off the yeah. uh, digital shorts of Kyrie Irving dressing up as an old man playing Uncle Drew. Uncle Drew. Uh, this movie stars a bunch of other ex-NBA players. Uh, Reggie Miller, Shaquille O'Neal, um, I think Lisa Leslie's okay. in it. Alright. Yeah. I think she's in it. But yeah, other people too. Um, it's a comedy. It's basketball. Looks kind of funny. I think I'm checking this one out if I can. Okay. Uh, Doctor and Tyler want to see it. Right. So I may go with them and uh, watch that. Okay, so you might have two movies on your docket this week. May or may not. We'll depend on what, what I got going on. We will see. Because but... it is a busy weekend for me. Yeah, it's a busy week. Uh, we're coming on a holiday week this yeah, next com- coming up next week. So. Yeah, we're coming up on 4th of July, as we mentioned. Busy times. But yeah, well, I'm sure I'll see something. Also, uh, just a side note about movies that are out, American Animals uh, apparently got a limited release. It is out in theaters right now, currently running a 100% wow. on Rotten Tomatoes, I think. Now, what is that? That is a wannabe criminals. Well, I don't say wannabe criminals, but they're first time criminals of like college people 
who want to rob a museum in order to like pay for student loans and okay. stay out of debt and stuff like that. Uh, looks interesting, based off a true story. Limited release, so check your like indie theaters for that because I know it's playing up at um, UCI. Yeah, of course. Because they have all the limited releases. Yep. But definitely check it out if you can. I'm gonna. Tr- I've been trying to. S- I saw this. I kept it on my radar. It's out. I'm going to eventually see it. Eventually, I have no timetable to actually see it. But yeah, check that one out. But I did check out a couple of movies though. Yes. Yes, you did. So let's start with the one that you saw, Jurassic World, colon, Fallen Kingdom. You should keep saying that, aren't yes, you? Yes, <laughs> you have to. So how was this? How did this rank to the last Jurassic World? So I went to the movies to see uh, Incredibles 2. Yeah. It was sold out. Right. So I had to settle for Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom. <laughs> and did you really have to settle? Is that how you ended up feeling about this thing? That's how I ended up feeling about it. No. Yeah. Okay, so... Going to see it, like, it was either going to be one or the other when I went to the theater. Right. But after watching it, it felt like I was definitely settling. Yeah. So, this is from director J.A. Bayona, who also directed The Orphanage. And I, the only reason I bring that specific work up and not any other stuff that he's done yeah. is because that is a horror film. Huh. And this film definitely plays up into a horror genre. Kind of a monster in the house, okay. you could say, type of thing. Um, also, it, in a way... It's more Alien 1 than it is Aliens. Yeah. Okay, got it. Uh, it also is very similar to Lost World Jurassic Park. Huh. By that, I mean story-wise, where you have a group of mercenaries go to the island in order to... They say save the dinosaurs, but really it's to kidnap and then sell them off. Right. Uh, just like in Lost World, I think they were working for SeaWorld or SeaWorld-esque yeah, type of thing. Equipment. It was San Diego, so I, yeah. I assumed it was SeaWorld, I think. When I'm They're in-universe version of SeaWorld, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, um, basically that's, that's the first half of this movie second half of this movie is the stuff they don't show you and is where people are like huh okay maybe I'm into this maybe I'm not because that's when it goes super horror film on me right and I'm not a fan of horror films no just in general they're they don't suit me well they're not for me I don't get scared from them they're jump scares but I will watch them because usually you get a lot of creativity out of it because they're usually right. first time directors or first time writers and it's something different that studios are willing to throw money at for low budget so you gotta get creative in how you do that this however is a big budget is a big budget film <laughs> that uses big budget effects yeah and uh, trying to do that in a horror film doesn't quite <laughs> work for me <laughs> yeah um while it's fair to say that there are dinosaurs, there's Chris Pratt, there is action. Thus, as I said last week, it checks off everything I want in the film. Right, exactly. In the first half of the film. Oh, there's the no. second half of the film. What happens in the second half? Like I said, it goes I mean, no into, spoilers. It goes into a horror film. They again try the dino um, DNA splicing thing to yeah. create new dinosaurs. Create a new dinosaur thing. Yeah. Um, there's also a subplot involving the raptors, 
the subplot involving... Wait, the Toronto Raptors? Is Drake there? No, he sold his shares. Oh, okay. Actually, no, he was there trying to buy more Raptors. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it goes into a weird, like, auction of, like, uh-huh. illegal, like, black market million-dollar auctions for these dinosaurs for, like, warfare or sure. owning or something like that, which is... I like where that was going. I thought it was interesting. But it never went further than that. Oh. Never went further than the auction. Never went further than what their intentions were other than, hey, we have this, like, dark society of millionaires and billionaires who are who want to buy dinosaurs because, hey, who doesn't want to buy a dinosaur? I do. You know, if you have, like, $30 million to, right. to throw around. Fair. Yeah. Apparently there was supposed to be, like, a, sep- a Russian, like, subplot attached to this before that got scrapped. Oh, yeah. I was reading somewhere about that. Huh. Yeah. Uh, so it's definitely an interesting film. It's a horror film, just know that going in. Like, the second half is definitely a horror film. Um, they use the new characters interestingly. Okay. In that they're there, they have a purpose, but you don't really gain sympathy or empathy or really care for those characters, though. Yeah, because they're not. Because they don't have a whole lot of screen time. One, they don't have a whole lot of screen time. Two, they feel and act like throwaway characters or like yeah. plot characters or like studios' involvement of we need to add these people in, so make sure you have something for them. Like, also, it felt like, like Jake Johnson in the first one. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's unfortunate. Yeah, it's unfortunate. There's definitely holes in this film. Definitely not the best. I mean, yeah. Jurassic world i think it had its issues too one it has issues but i think now that it's got like a bunch of replays being regarded like in high value like a classic that's the thing though is that like i feel like it depends 100 percent on who you ask yeah because like i know people who genuinely enjoy that movie a lot like it did at the time it came out too mm-hmm. and now i know people who think it's the worst thing in the world still i know it's weird i don't can't pay though yeah. I, I think it's got Enough charm and enough stuff I in thought it, it was to keep fun. it to keep you interested. Yeah, it has enough in it to keep you interested. I thought it was fun when I first saw it, but now every single time I've seen it since, yeah, it gets worse every time I see it. I don't know if it gets worse yeah, to me. I just I start thinking about all the problems now. <laughs> like every time I see it on TV, maybe it's the seeing it on TV. There's the seeing it on like, TV. Like there was something about it in theaters where I was willing to like maybe. Uh, uh, What's the pass. what's the phrase? Uh, what's the thing? So um, uh, to to something my temper your expectations. Yeah, yeah, a little bit of that. But uh, anyways, but yeah, uh, I don't know. Uh, so this one, do you think it's gonna have staying it power, have, or no. it's gonna be in a crowded summer? In a crowded summer, this thing's gonna sink fast. So in that case, what do you think about next week? Do you think it holds on to number one? I think so. I mean, there's nothing really to challenge. There's nothing it, really so. to challenge it. Yeah. Comedies aren't going to hit the, the enough, eighty, no. or the, even the sixty that's projected to go at. Do you think that the so July it's going to hold over? Here's my question, though: Do you think the July Fourth family crowd puts Incredibles back up? Maybe, but July Fourth also has the first Purge opening, and uh, people love the Purge. Okay. I think yeah, because it's getting that Wednesday purge. release, it's gonna might have shoot past. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah, you might be right. 
Okay. Alright. Is that all you wanted to say? Anything else about uh, uh, Jurassic World? What would you give it on the patented media boat scale of stream pass, it. stream it, or see it? Stream it. It did stream also it. it did a thing where it feels like it's a middle movie. Yeah. Because it sets it up to where now the dinosaurs are. Oh, you know loose. that they're gonna make a third one. You know they're gonna make it. So yeah. I mean this thing opened up already worldwide. Yeah. So it's gonna it made money overseas. It's an international film. It's yep. not a US yep. film. Yeah. That's where yep. it's gonna make its money. Yep. So it is. Give it it's gonna get a third one. Uh where they go with the third one will be interesting because yeah. I don't think they're going to have Colin Trevorrow back. Yeah, probably not. Maybe they will. I don't know. No, probably not. I don't think they'll bring back Jay Bayona, though. <laughs> no. Third. Re- okay. You pick that director, then. Who do you want to see make a Jurassic Park movie? Funny enough, I want to say Spielberg, but no. No. No, he, no, wouldn't, he wouldn't do it. Uh, what would a Matthew Vaughn Jurassic Park movie look like? Too much action. Yeah. <laughs> not enough. Well, that's the thing, though, because it depends on where you go with this thing. Yeah, it does. Because you can go... If you want to go, like, the family route, I'd go with... Uh, uh, I don't want to say Christopher Columbus, because that's one you think he's old and done for. Yeah. Even Robert Zemeckis is kind of, like, out of it, too. No, 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 no. You're in, you're, yeah, you're, yeah, yeah, you're naming a lot of old directors. You need a young guy. Yeah, you need a young guy. You need, you need a fresh a guy. guy. this. Um, or a lady. I'm not saying it just has to be a guy. Yeah. Um, oh. Um, I want to say, depending on how it goes, either like F. Gary Gray, maybe. Okay. Uh, he did uh, Straight Outta Compton. Yeah. He's interesting. Uh, that may be something to look at. Uh, or or um, not, not Spike Lee. No. But... Uh, <laughs> There's a movie coming out called um, Thank You for Holding. Okay. If that does well, see if that guy's going to get it. Alright. Okay, well, let's move on, because uh, we saw another movie, which we're probably going to talk a lot more about. Yes. So, Incredibles 2, the sequel to 2004's The Incredibles. It's been 14 years. So, if you were 14 at the time that came yes. out... Somehow had a kid, and then they turned 14 this year. <laughs> they would be the exact same age you were when you saw I, I think, no. That was, I, think, I mean, yes, technically, but no. Let's not go there. No, let's not go there. No, but let's just put it this way. There are high school freshmen who are starting high school this, this fall that were born after The Incredibles came out. Yes. Yeah. Uh, speaking of, <laughs> um, I need to get this off my chest. I know we talked okay. about this uh, when right. we got out of the theater. Yeah. But... God damn it, people. Learn some goddamn... Don't talk during the movies. Etiquette. Movie theater etiquette. Yes. Don't talk during the movie. Don't look at your phone the entire movie. Don't have arguments during the movie. Make sure you don't, like, take your kid, like, in the middle of the movie to the bathroom, really, obviously. Like, there are sneaky ways to do it. I don't know. Don't wear heels. Don't wear heels. Don't, you don't need to dress up to the movie. I you mean, don't... you can wear heels to the movie. Just be smart about it. Yes. Just be quiet. Yeah, you're going to like clap, 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 clap. Be quiet and courteous, like they say at the beginning of every movie. Oh, no, but see, they weren't there for that, though. I guess not. Yeah, that's no. true. They just came in after that. They didn't get that warning. They didn't know. <laughs> they didn't know. Uh, anyways, but yeah, yeah. That's, our, that's our rant about yes. our experience seeing Incredibles 2. But yes, we saw The Incredibles 2. Again. 
The Incredibles again. The Incredibles, the Incredibles also. So. The, the, the two incredible tubals. Where do we even start with this? Because there is a lot to talk about with this movie. Alright, so let's start with the, the beginning of this thing. And by that, I mean the little introduction that Yeah, did. we should talk about the short. Uh, we should, the short. We should talk about the short. Uh, yeah. So the short was, was Bow. Bow. And um, it's, um, it takes place um, in presumably in China. China There's a Chinese family. Chinese uh, culture. Yeah, it is very much in, in Chinese culture. It's by a Chinese woman, um, direct, the first uh, female director of a Pixar short. Okay. okay. Um, and yeah, um, it's very steeped in that culture, kind of like the same kind of treatment they did with Coco. And Mexican culture you see here with Chinese culture. And it's very much about the relationship of a person and their father. Mother. Um, uh, yeah, mother and her... Uh, it, mother and her son. And a father and a son. It's a family dynamic. It's a family dynamic. It's mainly focused on the mother being an empty nester. Yeah. And how she grieves and then copes with basically being alone. Uh, and, like, uh, ha- like having a child that grows up. Yeah. And leaves and leaves her, and and that dynamic is shown through the metaphor of a living dumpling, <laughs> which is a good neat idea. Yeah, uh, you watch I, the dumpling grow up. You watch the dumpling go through adolescence. So you know how like each Pixar short is mm-hmm. like a test demo for something. Yeah, I think this was a test demo for that for that dough. That dough. J- just the way the dough moves and yeah. feels and like being worked with. Right. It was amazing. It looked real. I think that was their testing here. It, was, it has to be. It's yeah, like food-related analogy of like just non-Newtonian fluids. But yeah, we should probably talk about here that this short has ended up being very divisive for people. It seems like a lot of people didn't get it, um, or at least um, maybe thought that there was com- more comedy in the more touching moments than they should have been. <laughs> And I guess I kind of get it. Like, I was talking to someone today about it where I was like, I think it's because it's a natural reaction if you don't expect something to laugh. Right. And a lot of people use humor as a mechanism for something that they are surprised by. But then immediately after a moment, which I will not spoil because I feel like that is the thing about the short. That is the thing. Is the thing about the short. That is also the turning point for the short when things get very real. Yes. And that's when you get your very touching emotional me- uh, like meaning. It, the emotional metaphor really shows through after that part. But you have to make it to that part because that part, you have to, you have to understand it as a metaphor. And it kind of clicked for me after it happened. Right. And so at first I was like, oh, what the... And I definitely laughed because I was surprised by it. Right. But then after that, I was like, okay, I get what this is trying to do. I get what they're trying to say here. And then immediately it makes it fairly obvious. It's like, okay, this is what this what actually happened to this character. Yeah, it's definitely a... Like, see how it is divisive? I mean, even in the theater, you have, like, half the people laugh and yeah. half the people gasp. Right. And, yeah, it was definitely something, one, unexpected. Yeah. But, but then it's... put into the whole aspect of it. You see why it would come to that. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, makes sense. We're kind of talking around it here. I, I, I recommend seeing it, um, or if you, if you, you know, if, if stuff is still sold I out, I think it's it online. Sure. There's probably some stuff. I think there's a video online. about it somewhere. Uh, but yeah. Anyways, long story short, it's it's really cute uh, and touching story. Um, it's really well animated, like you said. 
it's definitely a, an interesting tonal thing uh, pairing for the movie that it's attached to because yeah. they could not be even any more separate from each other <laughs> the Incredibles 2 I will tell you right now do not go into this thinking that there is going to be a Pixar emotional touching moment there is none there is none even the Incredibles 1 I think has a little bit more of a like like the emotional, emotional moment gut. this one does not have that gut punch as we call it yes um, if you listen to our Pixar ranking um, I tend to prefer the Pixar movies that do that. Yeah. This is not one of them. That being said, and this is kind of where we can pivot to actually talking about this movie. Yeah. This movie is very good. Yeah. There's a lot <laughs> done right in the film, especially yes. right off the bat. Yeah. Um, it's definitely got a graphic novel, comic book 100%. feel to it. I would say even more so than the first one. Even more so than the they first one. They lean really, really hard into color. They lean really, really into hard shadows. Into, into shadows. And they lean really hard into something that you mentioned Consistent stylization consistent of characters. aesthetic. A consistent aesthetic for every character introduced. And there are a lot of new characters in this. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense for them to be aesthetically consistent throughout. And they do. And they manage to create a very believable world that, yes, shares its existence with the world in the first movie, but expands upon it. Like, this movie really makes it feel like the world of The Incredibles is this world. Yes. Which the first one only kind of hinted at. It, the first one was mainly focused on the family aspect, like right. this is the family of superheroes, whereas Incredibles 2 is more of, they're not the only superheroes that exist here. Like, right. yes, they went into hiding, but just because they went into hiding doesn't mean other supers, people with superpowers exist. Right. They do. And we get to meet some of them in this. Yes. Um, but yeah, uh, before we get too far, so... Um, into the plot things. Um, I thought that one of the coolest uh, things about this movie um, was the, that it focuses on a lot of the same themes as the first one. You get the same juxtaposition of family dynamics. This is very much still a movie about family, like the first one is. In the way that Brave is about the relationship between a mother and a daughter, The Incredibles 1 and Incredibles 2 are about a family and how they, like, all... You learn to accept each other and unite with each other and work together. This one kind of reverses the roles of the first one. You have um, Mrs. Incredible, uh, Last Girl, kind of going on her own. She is the focus focal point of the actual superhero stuff this time around, whereas Mr. Incredible wasn't the first one. And right. then you kind of have that change, that change dynamic cause problems for him, where he has to basically be the family man. He has to basically learn how to be the father that he has to be when the mother is away. And the kids have to basically learn to adapt to not having the parents around a lot and having to figure that out, which they kind of did in the first one, but even more so have to do here. Yeah, it was brought up at the first one, like, because right. you followed Mr. Incredible on the island adventure. Yeah. So it was like, okay, while he's doing this, you kind of assume the mom's taking care of the family. Right. But wasn't necessarily shown. This time around... That they, is the focal point. Yeah. Uh, I mean, besides the actual plot... It's kind of the B plot. So the A plot here is your is your superhero plot. It's, it's, it's Elastigirl chasing after this villain that we only halfway kind of know about. Um, and then all of her, like, misadventures there. And then the B plot is very much the family stuff. Yeah. Uh, and I think both are really, really strong. Uh, the action stuff delivers. There are a lot of great, really amazing set pieces. 
you especially were big on the opening, the set piece yes. opening. Which, set piece opening. Which, yeah, you were saying it does a really good job of setting up everybody, even if you haven't seen the first one, and does all of that while picking up exactly where the first one left off. Yes. Uh, so, if you remember, right after Incredibles 1, yeah. uh, John Ratzenberger finally makes a cameo. <laughs> yes. Uh, as the Underminer. Right. Uh, and this, and Incredibles 2 picks up Right where that left off with the Underminer basically attacking the bank and the city uh, to rob the bank. And you see immediately all the powers in yeah. display. You see Elastigirl, or yep. the mom, right. uh, being super stretchy and super lengthy and basically being Elastigirl. You see Mr. Incredible <laughs> punching stuff immediately. Right. You see Dash running around, super speed. And then you see Violet in the... Telekinetic. Your shield's power. Shielding, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so you get kind of like a really quick overview of like these are the characters, these are the personalities, this is how they interact with each other, and these are their super super powers. Right. And uh, it does it so well that you don't even realize it does it. Uh huh. Because <laughs> you, because us, we assume that you, one, you've yeah, seen you've Incredibles. Seen the so you've seen the Riddles, so you already know this going forward. But just in case you haven't. Yeah. It does it so well that you immediately recognize, okay, one, two, three, four, five, first five minutes, done, out of the way. But it's so seamlessly done, and it works in a family dynamic that it's not triggered. Yeah. Like, it's not, like, super standout, like, like basically narrating and pointing at you, like, this is what everyone is, this is what everyone right. does. Yeah, it doesn't feel like, like, th there are movies that take a long time to get where they're going. There Solo are, is one of them. Yes. This is not one of them. This this immediately just goes. Yeah. There are TV shows where the plot, <laughs> where the pilot is basically them just reading off a roster saying, this is how everyone right. is. Basically spoon feeding you. This isn't spoon fed, but it kind of is at the same yeah. time. But anyways, uh, before we get too far in the weeds than that, uh, like, yeah, the, the set pieces are there. There's a really, really cool uh, uh, set piece with the runaway train that's really great. Mm -hmm. It kind of vibes of Spider-Man 2 a little bit to me. Uh, um, <laughs> well, funny you say that because yeah. Spider-Man 2 came out the same year as The Incredibles. Right. Isn't that weird? So that happened. Uh, we also <laughs> had a train sequence in uh, The Dark Knight. Right. Or, sorry, Batman. And recently in Solo. Recently in Solo. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I think Uncharted, Uncharted 2. Uncharted 2. <laughs> For video games. Yeah. Train sequences have been kind of like a, a thing. Like a very popular uh, way to showcase your hero. But anyways. Uh, but yeah. like So the action, you're getting. Yes. You, you get a lot of the action. The villain is interesting. The, the, the twist with the villain is um, maybe a little predictable. I won't spoil it here. I kind of saw part of it coming. But part yeah. of it still surprised me. Uh, the new characters... I think, I think what we mean by that is that the person it turns out being isn't that predictable, isn't that exciting, but the motivation behind it... Right, right. That's is, the, is interesting the interesting part. part. Um, but yeah, and, and, and but you also, though, I don't want to uh, underplay the action. I want to get that across. Like, there's a lot of really cool stuff. So if you're going to this for an action Pixar movie, you're definitely going, it definitely delivers on that. Yes. Just like the first one did, you're getting your superhero stuff. In fact... I would argue probably way more than the first movie. Well, there's a lot more supers to go around. Yeah. And that's one thing that powers. we're going to bring up right now is 
They introduced like seven yes. different characters. There are new characters in this movie, and Pixar does the thing that Pixar does really well, which is here's an ensemble of new characters that are all really interesting and have really interesting hooks. They're not going to be on the screen for very long, but you will remember them. Yep. They do that really well now. Yes, they, they've kind of mastered that yeah. brief, like, everyone looks good, yeah. everyone's rememberable, and they have... Rememberable? Rememberable. <laughs> They're memorable. Memorable. <laughs> I remember them. <laughs> and it's really, like, they're brief, they're cameos, right. but they're essential to the plot, and it also allows them to show off their new um, software, I want to call it. It's not software. <laughs> But they're new techniques. Yeah, basically. Yeah, like reflux, like that lava looks <laughs> great. It's hilarious. He's also an interesting character. Right, yeah. He, 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 he they up. managed to introduce a, a, a character in like two lines and to make them memorable. It's kind of incredible. Yeah. Uh, but but the other thing I want to talk about here is the, the flip side to that. This movie has some of the best comedy that Pixar has ever written. And I don't mean dialogue. Usually when I talk about, like, oh, that's funny, it's because of something that a character says. Right. There are great lines in this. I don't want to say that there aren't great lines. But the visual comedy, the visual gags, are some of the best studios ever done. There are some incredible moments. Pun intended. saying that. There's some some really, really hilarious stuff going on uh, in this movie that I can't spoil for you because I feel like half of it is the surprise of it. So I don't want to spoil for people exactly what happens. In those things, but yeah, there are moments where yeah, the, like the visual gags are, are really really. Cool. There's a Looney Tunes esque moment uh-huh, sequence, yeah. not sequence, moment, but yeah, sequence. Great sequences. That is a diff- is a great example of show don't tell. Right. Yes. Definitely. Uh, so yeah, you you get your entire you get the entire family in this one. I mean, the only way I can really wrap this up is by talking about like the k- tiny negatives I have, um, and you might you might have some too. Uh, well, the uh, big negative for me is yeah. the lack of an emotional gut punch. Yeah. The lack of, I want to say, fear or terror or yes. where they're going to lose. At no point do you feel like they're going to lose. In and the first movie, you had that moment, those couple moments. And we talked about this in our Pixar podcast. Yes. Uh, where, where you thought that the children especially were in genuine danger. There were moments of genuine danger in that first one, mm-hmm. where it seemed like things were really, really stacked up against them. In this one, that doesn't really happen. You have maybe towards the end, maybe like a moment where you're like, "Oh man, everybody's like down on their luck right now." Right. But there are characters, there are certain members of the family who literally are never in peril. Yeah. And it kind of, it, it, and there is kind of like, and one of the members of the family uh, is kind of used as a plot device to keep everyone alive, hey. weirdly enough. Um, and so it yeah. doesn't, yeah, you're right. It doesn't have that emotional moment, really. Right. Even when it tries, because you know that everybody's going to be fine, because they're superheroes. Right. And I think that, and I think that's actually kind of done on purpose, where it doesn't yeah. lean into the, into this is to them dying but rather into the heroes not being accepted anymore basically yeah. being forced to go back into hiding which is interesting when you compare and contrast like we did kind of yesterday when we were talking about this with Finding Dory and right. I brought that up a multiple multiple times because they're both sequels to very very extremely popular Pixar movies and extremely like people who have like like, like very beloved Pixar movies mm-hmm. 
And the difference is, and both kind of do have the same themes. They address some of the same themes. Like we said about the family stuff, about specifically that feeling of, oh, I'm worried about my kids being in danger. That theme is revisited here. It's also a theme of, of just both films kind of being the same generic plot. Yeah, give or take. Like, give or take. But yeah, but where, where Dory, one of our problems, and especially your problem with Dory, was that it did it in kind of the same exact way. So the characters were basically forced to learn the same lessons that they already should have learned in the first movie. Right, and that, that was my big problem was, yeah. well, besides the lack of scope. Right. This movie, though, does not have that problem. No. It d- goes over some of the same themes, but it blasts past the stuff that these characters already learned. These characters had that experience. They mm-hmm. know what happened. They've learned. They've bettered themselves. So the, the themes this are revisited differently this time. Also because there's no generic time skip. Yeah. It takes place immediately after the first one. Yeah, they've so had a crazy it's all couple weeks. Fresh, <laughs> like everything that they learned should be fresh in their minds. Like, yeah, it's to tackle new problems. Right, and they give them meaty enough new problems where it doesn't feel like it doesn't. It never feels like they're retreading the same room, which is good. Uh, but yeah, the last thing I want to talk about really about negatives, like if like, and I'm really, I had to dig pretty deep for yeah. this because I did have a lot of fun. Uh, but one of the things that kind of bugged me is that this is a movie that makes you wonder about the earlier drafts. And what I mean by that is there's a lot of times in this movie where it feels like that they want to make a statement about something, whether it be politics, whether it be about the concept of the existence of superheroes, and even about people's distraction uh, with, like, technology and not dealing with their real lives because of their being distracted by screens. Mm-hmm. All of these things are addressed like very briefly in like a line or two, and, and immediately like left. It feels like Bradford wanted to go down this route, wanted to go down this rabbit hole, yeah. but either Disney or Pixar basically said, <laughs> "Don't Maybe forget, not. these are for kids." We, even though this is an animated film, and yeah. it's we do gear towards the <laughs> young adults. Yeah. This is still a kids movie, so maybe not something we should bring up here. Yeah, I mean the stuff about the the screen stuff is interesting, especially considering that that is your villain saying that. Yeah, but also at some point in that movie, there is a person, and I'm really having a hard time jumping over the spoiler. Yeah, I know you are. So I'm gonna stop there because I feel like I was gonna get too close. Uh, But. But there's, Just like Red Bird. There we are conversations. Back. Yeah. There are conversations that occur between characters in this movie where you think, oh, they're really setting this up as like a meeting of, of different, very Ideological different ways. ideologies. And then it doesn't really do it. Like there's even a line later where, uh, where Elastigirl uh, says to the villain um, that, oh, well, at least I stand for something implying that the other person doesn't, but the villain very clearly stands for something. Yeah. And so I was very confused by that line. Where it almost seems like, it's like, it's, I don't know. That there was something there in a previous draft that got thrown out. Right. Like, and I had that moment a few times. So I don't know. 
I, I was telling you this will be a very interesting Blu-ray because yeah, you the, want the deleted scenes or even the commentary will be fascinating. Yeah, give me Brad Burke talking about this thing. Yeah, we really, really do. Um, do you have anything you touched on? Um, that we haven't touched on? I mean, it looks beautiful. We don't even need to yeah. say that at this point. I think the last <laughs> thing we need to touch on is do we rank it? Oh, jeez. So yeah, you, you, you proposed this question to me. We just, in case you didn't know, uh, ranked all of the Pixar films in order of our perceived quality of them. Right. And I think uh, we had like an asterisk at the end of that thing because we knew this was coming out and we were fairly certain it was going to be good. And we were like, yeah, chances are this is going to be somewhere up pretty high. Yeah. Um, now after seeing it, I feel like I have to see it a second time to really know for sure where I think it would go. For me, it would go right below Incredibles. The first one. Because it's definitely a good companion piece. Yeah, definitely. I think the first one had a lot more memorable scenes, like Dash running on the water, everyone like learning their powers in the beginning. Yeah. Whereas this one is more of an action-adventure movie, which is done super well, especially with the technology growth. Right. For 14 years. But that emotional gut punch, or even like that terror, is what's missing for me to like make it stand out. Because I still regard Coco yeah. being better. Oh, yeah, for sure. I still regard... Coco's still a better movie. Yeah, I still regard our top three that we were arguing about better than this. Yeah, I still th- I think you're right. Uh, I think it's hard to rank it also because of recency. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know whether we'd be able to really compare it. So maybe we'll revisit this later. We'll probably revisit this at yeah. the end of the year. <laughs> But yeah, anyways, uh, but yeah, yeah, anything else you want to talk about with um, this? Because we've spent a lot of time. We've spent a lot of time with this. Definitely go see it. I think that's a given. If you can see it, buy your ticket in advance. Yeah, apparently. Uh, other than that, no. I think we're, we talked this thing to death. We're like hitting the 40-minute mark here. Yeah. But uh, chances are we'll revisit this probably in our end-of-the-year lists. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this is definitely going to be like on our top five. For sure movies of the year all right let's move on then uh we're done with thoughts so that means let's talk about proper movie news yeah there's still have a whole episode to get through, an entire guys. podcast to get through so let's blaze through all this all right let's go through this fast first, I, I made sure to make like short stories here yeah first up in movie news he's an occasional movie star but you may know him more from television one of our favorites Camille nanjiani oh you're gonna skip the first story oh that is the first mind. story i scrolled down too far Yes. Uh, but yeah, uh, that's, I guess, the wrong person. But yes, yeah, I guess you'll mostly know this guy from movies now. From uh, TV. But yes, but yeah. our friend Kumail is in the news this week. He has officially joined the cast of the Men in Black reboot, uh, which will also star Chris Hemsworth, Tessa Thompson, and Liam Neeson, and which will begin shooting next month. He will be playing the role of a character named Pawnee, a funny, wisecracking, sex-driven alien... From a civilization that exists on a chessboard. Interesting. Hemsworth will play a suave but goofy James Bond-esque British men in black agent. Guess what his name is. I don't know. It doesn't say, so I can't. I don't know. I don't take a guess. I don't know. Agent H. H? Agent H. H, alright. For Hemsworth. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Thompson uh, will play Molly, a young woman who knows that aliens exist and is determined to become an MIP agent. F. Gary Gray, who is from Fade and Furious, 
the director of Fate of the Furious, will direct from a script by Matt Holloway and Art Marco. Uh, as far as I know, this will not involve 21 Jump Street as oh, yeah, previously like thought. <laughs> well, that was, I thought, was going to be a separate movie. No, it was supposed to be like a dual crossover something. Yeah, but I thought that was a separate movie from the Men of Black I Ranger. think that was this thing. Really? Okay. Yeah. I had read conflicting things. Okay. Uh, but yeah, Sony currently has this set for a summer 2019 release date, so for oh, a year from now. So a year from now, they'll have everything done, supposedly. Yep, yep. But yeah, that, that's actually pretty fast for a big, big budget film. Yeah, it is. Especially with like aliens and prosthetics and makeup, and maybe not, much, not that much CGI then. Maybe they'll go practical. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Uh, Sounds good. Moving on from Kumail, another uh, uh, TV star. star of TV and film. Uh, Terry Crews, he's in the news, but for less fun things. He, of course, um, testified recently before the Senate Judiciary Committee on on sexual assault and said that he was threatened with retaliation for speaking out about a sexual assault by his former agent, Adam Bennett, which we previously reported about on this podcast, saying that the Expendable Force producer, Abby Lerner, Avi? Uh, warned of vague troubles unless he withdraws that civil suit. Ugh. That's not good. No, it's not. When asked if Cruz was going to have a role in the sequel, he said he didn't want any part of the film if Avi was going to be involved. Saying, abusers protect abusers. Am I going to be part of this or am I going to stake a stand? And there are products I had to turn down. Meanwhile, Avi is currently being sued for sexual harassment. What do you know? Hostile work environment and gender discrimination. Cruz was one of the three people called to testify at this hearing about the Sexual Assault Survivors Bill of Rights, which provides new rights for victims of sexual violence in the Federal Criminal Code. Uh, one, it will eliminate the statute, yeah. or at least expand upon expand it. Expand the statute of limitations for yeah. sexual assault cases. Right. Which needs to happen. That's one, and then two, it create more of a safe haven so if people do come to the police yeah. or to others that... They won't be immediately turned away or mocked or ridiculed. That's something to be taken seriously. Right. No matter who comes in, like Terry Crews. Yeah. So this is this is uh, this is good news if this goes through. I think this is good that t- somebody with a big name like Terry is getting involved with this and spreading the like spreading the the well, one the message of this. One, he's a big name. Two, he's a big guy. And three, <laughs> it also shows that this goes both ways. It's not just women. Right, that's true. So it's definitely a good on him to be able to step out and speak yeah. about this. And also good for him for turning down uh, doing projects with terrible people. Yeah. Like, good for him to having control over that thing and not kind of falling into that trap that a lot of people do. Where it's like, well, like, I need to do this. I need to get my name out there. It's like, no, you, you can make these smart choices and support well, people you want to So his entire for. his entire testimony is available on YouTube for you to watch right now. It's yeah. like 22 minutes or something like that. But it's definitely a tear, a near tear-jerking uh, speech that he gives. Yeah. And he actually goes into saying that, like, one of his quotes is, um, people come to Hollywood for... Like for Dream of Hollywood, right? But then realize that it's a nightmare if they have to play this game. Yeah, and sure. he wants to be part of that rebuilding of what it means to like become a star. And that's good. And yeah. That's good. And a lot of people are, are 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 helping rewrite those rules, and it's really really exciting to watch. 
Yeah, a lot of people are stepping up and mm-hmm. making new companies, like we mentioned a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. Of those three women uh, creating their own product or not production, uh, right? Management company. Management company to make sure stuff like this doesn't happen again. Yeah, it's good news. All right, let's move on to something a little bit more fun. Uh, a little bit more me. <laughs> fan of Dragon Ball Z. And you know I am. Which I know you are. There are three Dragon Ball Z movies that have been remastered and that will hit select theaters this fall. First up, Broly, the legendary Super Saiyan. This is one of the better of the films. It will debut on September 15th and 17th. Uh, the movie was originally released in 1993. Yeah, so it's been a couple of years. <laughs> a couple. Uh, then in November, a double feature featuring Bardock, the father of Goku, and another movie called D- Dragon Ball Z Fusion Reborn uh, will uh, have their uh, remasters on November 3rd and 5th. In addition to these films with their English dubs, which will be how they're presented, you'll also receive an exclusive Broly trading card. From Bandai's Dragon Ball Super card game. So it's fun. It's like those Pokemon movies yeah. back in the day. It gave you a card. Right. Uh, yeah, you get Super <laughs> Saiyan, Legendary Super Saiyan Broly, thousand or ten thousand. Um, well, technically it's over ten thousand. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, power limits in base. I had to. I had to. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, these are three of the better DBZ movies that they've put out. Uh, the first time they beat Broly. Uh, the Father of Bardock, which they've um, retconned with this film, <laughs> and um, Fusion, which means you get to see Gogeta. <laughs> Super Saiyan Gogeta. Gogeta? Yeah. I'm not even That's a fusion. I'm not getting it. That is a fusion. I'm not getting That's the name, Fusion Reborn. That makes sense. Yep. But let's move on. Uh, we always have a story about Movie Pass, and this week is in no. <laughs> Well, no well last week we were talking about AMC releasing their version of Movie Pass. Well, Movie Pass decided to retaliate uh, by doing their own version of Movie Pass. <laughs> Wait, no, they are Movie Pass. Uh, no, uh, they are beginning next month. The app will introduce surge pricing if you want to see a popular film during peak hours. This will just add an additional charge of two dollars for titles that the app deems very well, popular with subscribers. It's two or more. Yeah. So two plus. So. Base of $2, but it could be more depending on the popularity of what film it is and when you see it. Though, you have here that it's probably just on opening weekends. Yeah, they said for for opening weekends, but, I mean, if it's big enough release like Incredibles People 2... People see it anyway. Where, where people are going to see it multiple <laughs> right. like weekends, like number ones, um, you may see it multiple... may may see the surge happen then. In well. addition, and we kind of saw this coming. We kind of called this last week. Yeah. In addition, MoviePass will be introducing their own upgrade to pay for premium formats like IMAX or 3D films, mm-hmm. along with the option to buy an extra ticket for a friend or somebody who does not belong to MoviePass. Yeah. This comes, of course, hot off the heels of the AMC A-list, $20 a month offering we talked about last week. Yes. Uh, if your friend does sign up after purchasing that ticket, you'll get refunded the ticket. Yeah. Uh, but this is what MoviePass needed to do. They said it's been in the works for a while now. Um, I do actually look forward to using it for those IMAX screenings, depending on how much it is extra. Because for $2 extra, yeah, I'll pay that to see an IMAX. Yeah. See, get reserved seating in there. But this also will deal a blow to A&C because this just makes MoviePass even more versatile now. Because the point of doing the AMC was that, was that hey, all these premium formats... 
no matter what, uh, come and get it. But it's <laughs> still $10 cheaper right. per month. Yeah. And if you see one IMAX movie a, a month, it's not going to make up the difference. <laughs> Even buying that ticket a month is not going to make up the difference. Uh, so, yeah, good on MoviePass. I look forward to seeing this being rolled out. Look forward to seeing their numbers continue to grow. And hopefully you don't go away and screw me over like midway through the year. Yeah, it might happen. <laughs> I don't know. All right, uh, so let's move out of movies. Uh, let's yeah, that move wraps us up with film, then. Television is We went next. through that quickly. We always start television with sports, and this week is no exception. We start, of course, with our World Cup updates. Oh, yeah. World Cup standings are pretty much set with the last two groups playing tomorrow. Yep. Saturday begins the elimination round. Right, and so far we have those brackets actually set up for us. Uh, we have Uruguay going to play Portugal. Okay. France versus Argentina. Brazil playing Mexico in the first elimination round. Uh, Spain versus Russia. Croatia versus Denmark. And Sweden versus Switzerland. So if your own country is in, in that list, get ready. And most likely going to make it is England and Belgium. Uh, unless something crazy happens. Because <laughs> Tunisia, Tunisia could still make it, but they got to win both games. Tunisia? Yeah, Tunisia. <laughs> they got to win both games in order to make it. Uh-huh. And then in Group H, Japan, Senegal, Colombia, and Pol- and Poland could all make it. Because they still have two games left to play each. So that one is a toss-up as to who's going to make it. Um, right now, Japan and Seagal are in those leads, but hey, Polly can't pull a surprise here. Anything can happen. Anything can happen, as the song goes. Mm-hmm. Hi, dudes. Yes, we're talking about sports. All right, so Time that's for Dr. your World Cup update. Next up, the NBA Awards happened. Yes, uh, the NBA has ended, but now it's time to give out the hardware. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's not the trophy, but these are the individual awards. Yes, individual awards. Uh, your winners included James Harden of Houston won the MVP award. Yes, beating out LeBron, two-time defending champion. Yeah. Suck it. Ben Simmons of Philadelphia is the rookie of the year. I don't know who that is. Lou Clipper Williams rookie. of the Clippers uh, was the, the sixth man of the year. Yes. Normally that, that one actually went to James Harden for a couple of years. Yeah. Because he came off the bench. Uh, sixth man is anybody who's not a starter. Anyone comes off the bench. Rudy Gobert, or Gobert, I'm not sure, of Utah. I think it's Defensive Goober. player of the year. I think it might be Goober. Goober? I don't know how to Rudy say it. Rudy Goober? <laughs> I don't know how to say it. His name is not Rudy Goober. <laughs> I refuse to believe that. If it is, though, he becomes my favorite player. <laughs> Immediately. And uh, Dwayne Casey of Toronto is the coach of the year. Which is funny because he was fired as Toronto's coach right? at the end of the year. Yeah, so much for that. <laughs> um, hockey was no, also got the uh, got some awards for their players as well. Yep. Your NHL awards went to Taylor Hall from the Jersey Devils, New Jersey Devils, as your MVP. Yep. Victor Hedman of uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning is your best defenseman. Pekka Rin... Of Nashville Predators is your best goaltender. Anze Kopitar from your Los Angeles Kings. Kopi, Kopi. One for fewest goals scored against. And Gerard no, he Gallant. Didn't. You had that wrong. That's what it says. 
Oh, I skipped a line. You skipped a line. I skipped a line. Sorry, he's the he's, best defensive forward. Cause, yeah, because he's not a goalie. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. I skipped a line. You skipped a line. Uh, sorry, yes. Kopitar, best defensive forward. Alex Ovechkin of yes. Washington is your top goal scorer. Yes. Jonathan Quick of the Los Angeles Kings is your fewest goals scored against. There you go. And Gerard Gallant of the Las Vegas Knights is your coach of the year. I, I believe that. I'd give yeah. him the I mean, take the first team. Team first team to the playoffs. To the, play, yeah. to the finals. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that's a coach of the year award right there. Coach of the year. Uh, I think that's it for sports. I can't think of anything else that happened. Where um, baseball, baseball MLB, still happening. Still happening. Uh, get your votes in for that. For that. Uh, that's on the seventeenth. Um, oh, NFL. Uh, the players voted on the best player in the league. Okay. Guess who was number one? Colin Kaepernick. <laughs> None other than Mr. Tom Brady. Uh, boring. By, unanim- by unanimous decision. Boring. Yeah, so Tom Brady is the best player in the game right now. Is he? I believe it. Given his age, <laughs> given all his wins, I believe it. If I thought he could take a team down 14-0 in the fourth quarter with 10 minutes left and win. That was one time. Uh, multiple times. <laughs> that was a playoff game. But yes, multiple times. Yeah, I know. He's, yeah. If you're going to pick someone in fantasy, might as well be the best player, Tom Brady. On paper. On paper. Or on stats, I yeah, guess. That's <laughs> paper. That's paper. All right. Let's uh, move on from sports then. Yeah, I don't think I got anything else in sports. Yeah. Um, and let's move into an update about our ongoing story about... Disney's bid for Fox. I know you may be uh, out there wondering why we keep flipping this from TV to movies back to yeah, TV. Yeah, because it kind of belongs to both. Right, but it also, and it also depends on what part of the story we're actually talking about. So in this case, this is very much a TV-centric story. Anze. Uh, Anze, Anze. <laughs> but, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Anze? Anze. Anze? Yeah, Anze. Okay, I said it wrong. Anze. Anze. All right, uh, but yes, Disney and Fox, the new wrinkle in the deal is about the Department of Justice. The Department of Justice, obviously, if this or when this deal goes through, regardless of who purchases Fox, the Department of Justice has to approve it. They basically have to make sure that it passes regulation. Right. So the Department of Justice has already gone ahead and said that if Disney uh, ends up being the purchaser of the Fox assets, that they approve it with one caveat. The caveat being that they must agree to that Fox's regional sports networks are not included and are spun off of this deal. So last week we talked about how, or a couple weeks ago, I forget which one it was, how Disney was already in talks with the Department of Justice. This is why. So for the past six months, the Department of Justice has been talking with Disney about what they can and cannot buy in order to make this deal happen, in order to pass regulation. And this is why, because should Disney purchase all of these regional sports networks, that then makes ESPN sort of a monopoly on sports, with their only competitor being like NBC, NBC Sports, sports or and some other I think like companies. Big Ten or like Pac-12. Right. But those are like college networks. Yeah, the like NCAA owns portions of those, I think. Right. Uh, but yeah, it would be definitely most of the television sports would immediately become ESPN at that point, and so the DOJ was not super hot. 
That being said, they're not the only government agencies that need to okay this deal. There are going to be several others that they will also need to pass. Also, this is just Disney. Comcast deal, this is not in the cards. Uh, this is just Disney basically checking on what they would have to do to make this a reality for them. Uh, Disney is currently offering that $71.3 billion, as we mentioned before. Still needs uh, several other regulatory bodies approval, though. We'll see on the 10th of next month, which is just a measly week and a half away. So we yeah. will see what happens. It's like two weeks. I think, wait, when is the 10th? Is that, that's Tuesday, right? I do believe that is a Tuesday, so we will have actual news yeah, on I that in two weeks. Uh, let me see here real quick. Pull up the calendar. What do we have? July 10th is indeed a Tuesday. So we'll have literally two weeks. We'll have next week, which is Wednesday, July 4th, uh, and then the following, which is 11th, and we'll have a decision by then. It's coming up. It's happening, guys. It's happening. Right next up, our weekly story about Netflix. So this is where Netflix is the bad guy, but also the good guy. Well, yeah. Um, Netflix, as with most companies, has a you know a handful of bad eggs. Everybody does. Uh, in this case, the CEO, Reed Hastings, has decided to let go of their chief communications officer, Jonathan Friedland, after he used the N-word on at least two occasions at work. Ugh. Yep. Friedland was accepting of the punishment, as he later tweeted, Leaders have to be beyond reproach in the example we set, and unfortunately I fell short of that standard when I was insensitive in speaking to my team about words that offend in comedy. The replacement has yet to be named, but yeah. But, Bye. Yeah, uh, good on Netflix for getting yeah, ahead of this before it gets out, out into like the exactly. press yeah. or something worse than that, where then like people are calling for boycott of Netflix. Yeah, this this immediately like gets rid of any possible bad press they could have gotten. All right, and this is how you're supposed to run a company. Yep. You hear something, you Do look something into it immediately. immediately, and then you act immediately. You don't yep. play the waiting game. You don't see if this is going to blow over. You don't wait. This is something happened, something bad happened. You know what bad happened. It's been cooperated. Immediate punishment. Move on. Yep. Speaking of moving on, our next story uh, to move right along is another kind of uh, workplace misconduct story. This one about the creator of MTV's Catfish. I love me some Catfish. So, Nev Shulman, <laughs> creator of Catfish, is now resuming production following his allegations of sexual misconduct. Uh, they were found by an independent investigator that they were not credible. Uh, an MTV spokesperson claimed that uh, that these allegations made were not credible and without merit, according to the independent investigator. They were made back in May, when it, which a uh, when a woman alleged that she was sexually harassed by Nev during production in 2015. So thus, production on season seven of Catfish on MTV has now resumed. I want to be clear here. Just because an independent investigator didn't find any dirt does not mean it definitely didn't happen. No one knows. But it means legally nothing happens to him and everything continues with production on the show. Right. It could mean nothing serious happened. It could mean not, like it was just taken in the wrong context. Right. It could it just mean the... nothing happened in relation to the production. Right. Which means that there's no legal grounds for them to end production or penalize him in any way through the studio. Things may still have happened, but if they didn't have proof that it affected actual production, nothing happens to him. Right. Yeah. It sucks. But we'll move on. 
Moving on. Okay, <laughs> you, you uh, step off your soapbox there? Yes, a little bit. All right. All right. <laughs> Leave the women. All right, HBO. HBO. HBO is in the news this week and about China. Sunday night, last Sunday on Last Week Tonight, host John Oliver did a story about the Chinese president's president. Xi. Xi? Xi. Xi Jinping. Yeah, it's like C-H-I. Yeah, and criticized him on the removal of term limits from the chap- from the Chinese constitution and a crackdown on civil society. In response, HBO's website has now been blocked in China and mentions of John Oliver have been banned on their social media platforms. This won't exactly hurt HBO in China, as most of their f- shows are already heavily censored. And force those within the region, and the people in the, within the region are forced to use VPNs to access the content anyways. Yep. HBO did not comment on the censorship, but why would they? Because they're, like they said, no one in, in China is watching them. Well, no one in, Ch- in China necessarily uses their platform. Right. They use other methods to get there, like YouTube clips. But even YouTube itself has been severely censored. Yeah. In China, and as is the case with that kind of government, and this was also kind of the one of the topics brought up by John Oliver of the Chinese government censoring literally everything, literally everything of anything they didn't like. Yeah, I think, or that doesn't quote uphold Chinese values, and unquote. Right. They've been known for doing this for decades. This is not new. It's just that this is a, a really specific case. Yeah, it's. It's dumb. I mean, it's not dumb. This is exactly China's what China, they expect. Basically, all this story is. Yeah, is that China's been doing this for. I, I think John Oliver knew this was going to happen. I think HBO expected this to yeah. happen. No one's surprised. And this isn't surprising anyone. This is basically playing into the hands of. Yeah. See, we told you something like this was going to happen. In fact, I would argue this is not news. This isn't news. No, this is not news. You're desperate for another story. That was. <laughs> <laughs> but let's let's lose that to end television news and move into. Well, either talk about that or talk about this upcoming cancellation news. Yeah, cancellations and renewals. These are actually probably bigger stories, actually. Oh, this first one is. This first one. This was going to be the switch that I was going to make, yep. but decided not to. ABC has a big announcement this week. In the 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 uh, the aftermath of the cancellation of. Roseanne. As you know, Roseanne was a huge hit for ABC. It was a massive success. It was a rating smash. And so canceling it because of Roseanne's uh, incredibly terrible attitude on Twitter and actions and words, yes, was a good idea publicity-wise, terrible idea ratings-wise. So it's no surprise that later they did confirm they will be making a Roseanne-less spinoff of Roseanne called, called The Connors. So a couple important things about this. Apparently a deal was made with representatives representing Roseanne not mm. Roseanne herself. Right. That this will have zero financial like uh, like connection to Roseanne herself. So she, she will not benefit from this. She will not get any money from the production of this. She will not be getting any credit in it She's either. not credited. There's She's no... not related to this at all. Right. I mean, there is a chance that the people that they work with do have enough ties to her where she may benefit in some sort of capacity. But generally speaking, in a really general way, surface level general way, way, general way, um, she is not involved or or like like have any connection to this. Mm-hmm. So that's the sort of good news. Uh, but yeah, so the Connors will feature, of course, the Connors, John with, Goodman. Yeah, John Goodman and the rest. Without Roseanne's character. Yep. So we'll see what happens with that. 
uh, renewed for a third season on Netflix, Dear White People. Um, I haven't watched the second season of that, but I watched the first season and I enjoyed it. So that's uh, cool that that show's keep, uh, keeps gone keeping on. I saw the movie version of that. I didn't see the movie. The, it was based off the movie. The series based yeah, off the movie. Yeah, I know it's based on the movie. I didn't see the movie. Yeah, the movie's okay. Yeah. And I didn't bother watching the series. I think I got the point of it from the movie. It goes some interesting places. I thought the series was really well done. All right. uh, but I haven't seen season two. But yeah, we'll get a season three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good for that. Good All for right. them. Moving on. The Terror will get a second season on AMC. Timeless has been canceled again after being renewed by NBC at a last minute choice. Uh, it will now be canceled for reels. Um, it may turn into a made-for-TV, like, two-hour movie to wrap yeah. up everything. That has yet to be decided. Don't quote me on that. That is <laughs> what they want. That's what titles people want to happen. That's what they're in talks now on doing. Yeah. But the TV show, that's where, like, making it episodic will not happen. It's done. It's canceled. Yeah. We will see. No, yeah, it's probably canceled. Yeah. All right, Famous in Love on Freeform, canceled after two seasons. I don't know what that is, but it's on Freeform, so I put it there. Yep. To answer your question from last week, Gordon Ramsay's 24 Hours to Hell and Back, renewed for a second season on Fox. So we'll return. Makes sense. It's a good summer replacement. It's a good summer replacement. Uh, and then Gordon Ramsay could shoot that thing in a month and then be done with it. Yeah. Put everything in the can and let them slowly roll it out. Yep. Um, constant paycheck for Gordon Ramsay, too. Plus, you get to see the world, or you get to see the U.S., get to help people. I don't know who likes doing that. But, hey, good for Gordon Ramsay. Uh, this yeah. is definitely a really good kitchen nightmare replacement. So he doesn't have to stay in a place for, like, a week or whatever. Just <laughs> yeah. come in, 24 hours, done, leave, get in, get move out. on. Can yell some people, get out. Yep. You, get, right. you get everything you want out of it in a nice 24-hour package. That's true. All right, uh, and then uh, that's it for cancellations and renewals. Lastly, we have to talk about deaths in television here, or just in general. In general. Vinnie Paul, age 54, was the drummer and co-founder of Pantera. That's the oh, band. That's a sad one. Yeah, yeah. I, I know what Pantera is. Okay. <laughs> Daniel, Daniel Pylon, epi- uh, I cannot speak anymore. I've been talking too long. Uh, uh, age 77, a Canadian actor of Dallas, Ryan's Hope, and Shoot 'Em Up. And lastly, Joe Jackson. Yes, that Joe Jackson. Yep. Age 89 was, of course, the manager of the Jackson 5 and father of Michael and Janet. And, and the rest of them. All the rest of the other four Jacksons. Jacksons. All the Jacksons. So, yep, Joe yep. Jackson. Yeah, that was today. That was like a couple hours ago. Yeah, that was recent. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, Joe Jackson has kind of a bunch of baggage. Yeah, he was important for the formation of that group and also for, uh, you know, uh, contributing to the fact that... Uh, Michael Jackson became one of the biggest stars we've ever had. Yeah, but at the Argu- same time, yeah, it is arguably that he what he created yeah. Michael Jackson. You could argue that he literally did. Yes, but uh, <laughs> then there's also the baggage of um, he very obviously abused these children and yes. uh, put them in these entertainment situations way too young and kind of created issues that went to basically to his death. Yeah. Like Michael was the person that he was because of the way. That his family raised him, and there's no there's no way around that. Really. No, there isn't. But we can't get around that now <laughs> by going talking about music. We can because that's it for deaths. So let's move out of television and into 
Musica. The Billboard. with the Billboard charts. So who is the newest single? This week, the top single following his murder last week. Oh, Triple X. X, X, X Tentation. Tentacoin? Yes, Mr. Tentacoin himself. <laughs> Hits number one on the charts after setting a new Spotify record for one-day streams, beating Taylor Swift's previous record. Um, sad! Exclamation point. Oh, I thought you were saying that was that was sad. No. The song is called Sad! Exclamation point. Oh, by Tentacoin. By XXX Tentation is your number one song this week. Uh, okay, so that's what Tentacoin's up to. Tentacoin. Number two, we've got the little bit on the chart. I like it by Cardi B, Bad Bunny, and Jay Balvin. Number three is Nice for Up by Drake. Number four, Lucid Dreams by Juice World. I don't know who that is. I don't know, but I like that name. <laughs> and number five, Girls Like You by Maroon 5 featuring Cardi B. Oh, oh, yeah, that was there last week. A lot of Cardi B again this week. Yep. Your album chart, topped this week by debuting at number one, Youngblood by Five Seconds of Summer. Get your boy band on. Wait, Youngblood is the name of the... Youngblood is the name of the album. Ugh. The artist is Five Seconds of Summer. Well, I know the artist is Five Seconds of Summer, but yeah. Youngblood. Number two, uh, Everything is Loved by the Carters. That is the Jay-Z Beyonce album. Yep. Debuting number two this week. I didn't listen to that. Beat Out by Five Seconds of Summer. Number three, Question Mark by XXXTentation. Uh, uh, I wonder again, why. those Spotify numbers. Yep, Spotify. Number four, Beer Bongs and Bentleys by Post Malone. And number five... Nasir by Nas, which was the Kanye West produced Nas album that came out a couple weeks ago. Yeah. The third in his is, ridiculous is, is month of releases. Month of releases. Uh, that Tiana Taylor thing, the last thing he did, will probably be on next week's chart. Okay. In case you're wondering about the rest of the Kanye the rest explosion. Of that will probably do it, though, for the Kanye explosion. That will be the last one. And that's it for Billboard. But it's not going to be the last we hear of Kanye, though. No, definitely not. No. To... By that I mean, like, we're going to bring them up later. Yes. Yeah. All right, but first, let's, let's get into uh, new releases. Our new releases. I keep doing this. For this weekend. Very... <laughs> a something for everybody this week. Yep. First up, Bullet for My Valentine with Gravity. Drake. Yep, it's time for a Drake album with Scorpion. So that may or may not actually be releasing. Yeah, we'll see. It's, it was re- it's supposed to be releasing yeah. this month. Or it was supposed to be releasing this month. They so put it at the end doesn't because... doesn't this week, he misses this month. Yeah. Or he does a surprise Sunday release. Something, yeah. Yeah. Could happen. Uh, Florence and the Machine release. with High Ass Hope. I haven't missed some Florence. Yeah, that might be alright. I'm going to get into that one. Gorillas with their new album, The Now Now. Now Now. Jim James with Uniform Distortion. John Coltrane with Both Directions at Once. The Lost Album. Yes. Let's Eat Grandma. With I'm All Years. This is why you need comics, people. Yeah, let's eat around. <laughs> Ray Davies with Our Country, Americana Act 2. The Milk Carton Kids with... Okay, big breath here. All the things that I did and all the things that I didn't do. Yep. <laughs> That's good. It's a big list, actually. If I made a list of all the things I did and all the things I didn't do, that I don't know if I would ever finish it. I think that is literally everything that could ever be done then. <laughs> literally everything that's possible. Maybe he thinks that are impossible. Because apparently right. he did them, because he didn't do them. <laughs> Those are your new releases. Next up. 50 Cent. Ah, two quarters. Uh, yeah, that's good new releases. 50 Cent. Yes. I don't know if I want to read this story. Go ahead, read it. I'll, I'll paraphrase it. All right. Because um, then you don't want to Apparently he posted a photo on social media that has since been deleted that made an inappropriate joke about Terry Crews. 
I'll put it that way. So we noted that Terry Crews earlier yes. uh, was making his um, statements about sexual assault and uh, that was performed uh, on him. So, um, so Fifty Cent decided to be a meme a good, uh, or put a meme. I tried to do a good joke about a joke about this. Basically, said that I uh, was mocking Terry Crews for quote freezing in fear and also implied that if the same thing happened to Fifty. His response would have been so violent they would have had to take me to jail, he says. Terry Crews has since been asked to ask what he makes out of the post, and he said, I love 50 Cent. I li- listen to his music while I'm working out. Then added, I prove that size doesn't matter when it comes to sexual assault. This is classy of Terry Crews. Yeah. This is basically not saying anything bad about 50 Cent, even though he should have totally just owned 50 there. Like, he should have immediately, like, just completely, like... But well, we know he could, he could, like, take 50 Oh, yeah, no, easily. Easily. He could take 50 cents. That's not a good question. So, yeah, Terry's uh, taking the high road here, which, you know, all right. Yeah. You do you, Terry Crews. I'm yeah. not going to tell Terry Crews what to do. No. But, at the same time... Because he said like, try to do that, and so, look yeah. what happened. It's a way to completely just ignore it and just move on, which is pro- what Terry needs to do right now. So, yeah. I get it. I get it's also not a, it's not a battle that he should be fighting. He has bigger fish to fry right now. Yeah. So, yeah. But seriously, 50 Cent, you should know better. Come on, man. Don't make those kind of jokes. You're be, better than that. Be, be the bigger man if be you a, can. Be a, be a better guy. Yeah. Be a better guy. Come on. All right. Moving on. Uh, our next story is about no effects. We previously reported on this podcast, I think, the stuff about no effects making a poor tasted uh, a poor ta- important taste joke about the shooting in las vegas we did or maybe i had read about this maybe, maybe you read about this about the podcast no but yeah in case you don't know uh no effects is a is the the uh, is a u.s punk band and they were performing at the punk rock bowling and music festival and their front man fat mike said we played a song about muslims and didn't get shot to which their guitarist eric melvin said I guess you only get shot in Vegas if you're in a country band. To which Fat Burks responded, That sucked, but at least they were country fans and not punk rock fans. Yeah, that's talking about inappropriate jokes. So, of course, this is a direct reference to the Vegas shooting of last year. It took 59 lives. Note, no one that's actually in a band died from that. It was just fans, just people in the stands. Right. Just want to be clear about that. Uh, following the remarks, companies such as Stone Brewing have cut all ties with NoFX, including festival sponsorship. They have also decided to stop brewing a collaboration beer that they had with them. And any future profits from that beer will go to the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department Foundation, which provides post-Group 91 trauma counseling alongside safety programs, training, and funding. Furthermore, all remaining shows on their U.S. tour have been canceled and effectively banned from playing any big venue in the U.S. So, yeah. So, uh, they're, they're done. I mean, so, NoFX has been around for a long, long time. Yeah, they're, yeah. They're kind yeah. of the punk, a part of the punk establishment for decades. And, yeah, this was in really, really bad taste. Yeah. And their reaction to it has also been not great. Like, they, basically, all these companies are pulling sponsorships. No venue wants to have them, mm-hmm. and they all they're uh, doing now is basically complaining about like, oh no, like the U.S. abandoned us, like nobody loves it, like likes us anymore in our own country. It's like, well, yeah, you made a really dumb joke. Yeah, they, they made a <laughs> quick YouTube. I don't want to say it was an apology video because I didn't watch it. Yeah, but they basically said we put uh, gasoline on a dumpster fire. Yeah, and that's really how did. they basically describe themselves now. Yeah. 
It's just, it's, yeah. you gotta be careful about what you say, especially when cameras are rolling, and if you're a really, really, really big band. But also, that's a terrible joke. Like, that's not even funny. Yeah. Like, you never want to wish any fans, you know, getting shot at your shows. No. Like, at any show. At any you show. don't want that any ever happen No, ever. you want good experiences for anyone. It shouldn't be a compare and contrast thing in anything. And especially the punk scene. The punk scene is supposed to be inclusive. Like, that's one of their tenets. Mm-hmm. And so to, yeah, to get all weird about country fans versus punk fans, I don't know. I think that they had this coming to them. All right. Well, moving on, then. Yeah, moving yeah I got on. nothing more to add. Speaking of bands that have existed for a very long time, The Kinks, a band that goes back to the 60s. Oh, that's a thing in my neck? Yeah, that's a thing in your neck. On Monday, the frontman of The Kinks, Ray Davies, has revealed that the band would be reuniting for the first time in over 20 years. He has been in the studio with his brother Dave Davies, that's a name, and band uh, and and uh, and bandmate Rick Mick Avery, working on new material and a new album. Ray Davies said he was inspired by the Rolling Stones, who recently created, or sorry, completed a European tour to critical acclaim. Their last public performance was in 1996, following a lackluster release and creative tensions between the two brothers. So if you're a fan of the Kinks, yeah, I know and they've been around since like, like I said, like since the late '60s. So yeah. they've 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 been around the block a few times. Yeah. I mean, twenty years is a nice round number to get yeah. back together. Yeah, it is. I mean, if people want to get into them, now's <laughs> the chance. Get excited. Yeah. All right. Moving on. Finally, our last story is about Kanye West. I course. told you we'd be come back to him. Come always come back to Kanye. A lawsuit is underway. Over the life of Pablo, specifically, it not actually being a title exclusive. Or was it? You might recall that back when The Life of Pablo was first launched, it was launched exclusively on Tidal, the streaming service that Kanye partially owns. And you know this because you bought yeah, the Tidal subscription. Yeah, had a Tidal trial to try out that, that, that thing. Um, so, of course, as we know, it later did get released onto other streaming services, as of today, you can listen to it on app services like Apple Music and Spotify. But uh, the lawsuit says that it was supposed to be an exclusive, as it was claimed originally, and they have tricked fans, uh, according to this lawsuit. They are saying that Kanye and team tricked fans into subscribing to the streaming service. Mm-hmm. On February 15th, 2016, there was a tweet from Kanye that his album would never be on Apple and it would never be for sale. Six weeks later, it was available on all platforms, including <laughs> Apple. Since the album has been updated and remixed numerous times, he fixed wolves. He uh, fixed wolves. He uh, fixed wolves. Um, and, um, and even on all the platforms, this has been the case. Uh, but Kanye is contending that the originals have not changed on title. Yes, the original album that he put out on title. The album that he says is The Life of Pablo yeah. will remain a title exclusive. All the alterations, remixes, edits he's done since <laughs> that are sources. uploaded to other streaming sites, he's saying those don't count because that's not the album he promised. I think this is semantics. <laughs> it is. He himself was also, during all this, talking about how... It was cool to him that he could change an album after it's been released. And he wanted this to be the future of music, to have this living document, you could say, of something that can change and breathe as it as it goes and as it ages. 
So him basically turning that around and saying, oh, well, the real life of Pablo is exclusive to Tidal, that's bullshit. <laughs> it's bullshit. It is. It's a bullshit excuse trying to dismiss this case. So the judge provided, presiding over the case denied Kanye's motion to dismiss as his argument does not pass muster in the context as, as, as I said, as it's you bullshit. Just said. <laughs> the case is being looked at as consumer fraud in the New York courts where Title HQ is located. So yeah. we'll find out what happens with that. Probably nothing. Probably, probably settle the dude. Uh, probably will. Um, yeah. This is not a class action lawsuit. I'd no. like to point that out. Yeah. This is one man burst title. Right. Um, <laughs> so that's not, yeah, not going to go anywhere. Yeah. But this, be, even though this is taking place in New York, it will set a law precedent for all 50 states yeah. um, for anywhere music is consumed and promoted. So maybe title will actually do something worthwhile. Yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah. Alright, that'll do it for music news. Uh, you have um, some thoughts about an album you listened to this week. Yes, the White Album. A White Album. A White Album. All so, right. I listened to Dan and Shay. Who are Dan and Shay? The album, Dan and Shay. Who, 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 who are and what is Dan and Shay? Dan and Shay is a country duo. Okay. It's also a band, a boy band, you could say. Sure, they're boys and they're yeah, in a band. They're boys and they're in a band. Uh, but... They were on Stagecoach this past, I think it was either this past year or last year. I forget, but I like their music. It's good. Uh, it's very poppy, but not too poppy. So it's also country. From what I've listened to, for the uninitiated, like I was a yes. few days ago, um, it sounds kind of rascal flatsy, maybe a little, a little big towny. So bit. if you like the more pop edge of country... You'll probably like this. Uh, I think we did. We did note that they created a new song with Carrie about with uh, Kelly uh, Clarkson. Kelly, Kelly Clarkson has a duet with them. Yeah, has a duet with them on this album. Um, so this thing is decent. Uh, this is their. I thought it was weird that they called it the Dan. They called it Dan and Shay. Yeah. Because this is their third album, so not their debut. They're self-titled. <laughs> they're self-titled. A album. lot of people wait until they're self-titled. Yeah. Like, Paramore did, like, three albums before they did a self-titled. Right. <laughs> and I think that's actually um, a good title for this, because this is their self-titled. And this is more of, like, where they want to be and what they can do. Yeah. This is kind of like an EP of everything they can do. It's like, hey, we have some love songs. We have some drinking songs. We do yeah. duet with pop stars. We do duet with unknowns. We can do ballads. We can do acoustics. It's a wide variety of songs that they can do, basically showing off saying... We're here, we're going to stay, and this is everything that you can expect from us coming forward. Like, we've gone through two albums, we've gone on tour, we've hit the festivals, we know what kind of music we want to play, we know what our style is, we know what our fans like now. So this is us basically saying, this is what you can expect, this is is us in an album, which is why I think it's titled Dan and Shay. Right. It's a good album. I mean, it's a safe album, there's nothing to... (laughs) That is a good over word for what this is. There's nothing too over the top with it. There's nothing it's too inoffensive. Risky. It's 100% inoffensive country festival music. Yeah. 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 It's basically, yeah, like I said, it's what they can do. It's what they can provide. It's their coming out album saying, hey. I cannot, I cannot stress how much the, I think that this guy sounds like Discount Rascal Flats. Yes, I know. He's trying so hard to do that. <laughs> I, I just can't get over it. Yeah. Discount Rascal Flats. Discount Rascal Flats. But they <laughs> they harmonize well together. Um, this 
I think they're going to be around for a while now. Maybe. I, I liked them. I, I like them. They, they can definitely do hits. Uh, there's maybe like one or two on this album, but like I said, this is mainly for them basically demoing their range rather than sticking into one lane. Yeah. So check that out if you're a fan of country or a fan of Rascal Flatts. Yep. Or a fan of Dan and Shay. Yeah, I feel like pop country, I would say, check this out. Yeah, this is definitely more pop country. You'll probably like that it. That new pop country sound. Right. It's not new. It's not new. <laughs> no, not new. But yeah. But yeah. All right, let's move on. Uh, let's do it. That does it for music. Let's move on to video games. Let's just crash through these. Upcoming releases in video games this week, you have... First up, The Crew 2, that is the sequel to The Crew, is coming out on PlayStation 4. Yes, Luminez Remastered on Xbox One, PlayStation 4, and Switch. That is the remastered edition of mm-hmm. PSP favorite Luminez. Mm-hmm. Near Automata gets a Xbox One release with the Become As Gods edition, which includes all the DLC and all sorts of stuff. Right, that was announced at E3. Yep. Ultimine comes to PlayStation 4. Wolfenstein 2 comes out on Switch. And The Awesome Adventures of Captain Spirit by the people who brought you the first Life is Strange. Absolutely 100% free and is out today on Xbox One and PlayStation 4. It's also on Steam. But if you aren't able to find it like I did, that's because it's not a game. It's a demo, technically. It's technically the demo for Life is Strange 2. So the reason for this is probably because... They had to figure out a way to release it for free that would qualify in the storefronts. Yeah. And so they, that's probably what they had to do for Sony. I don't know how that is for Xbox or Steam. It might be easier to find on Steam, I would think. Right. But, but yeah, it's what you think it is. Um, I'll talk a little bit more about it later. Yeah. All right. Those are your new releases. Moving into the video game news. So First up. We're going to talk about the biggest game out there right now. Yes, we have to talk about Fortnite because every week we have to talk about Fortnite. So I got to play some Fortnite, actually. All right, what do you think about Fortnite? Uh, the building, because I, like, I only have one game to play, the building aspect of it is interesting. Yeah. The throwing up walls randomly is definitely an interesting concept. Right. But it is super cartoony. It is definitely aimed for kids. Oh, yeah. Uh, 100%, and I'm still not going to touch it. Nope. The only <laughs> reason I, The only reason I, I, I even got played a match is because uh, I went over to uh, someone who was playing it. Yeah. So I decided, oh, here, let me have a shot. I've never played this. Right. I, like, died. With, like, I, I survived to, like, 50, though. That's because, like, there was no one around me. I made sure of that. <laughs> yeah. So I was kind of like messing around, trying to figure everything out. But it's an interesting game. There's, I like certain aspects of it, but definitely not for me. I can see why people are so into this. They're so into it that they'll just throw money at it. It's true. How much money, you ask? How much money do they throw at this thing? Well, with the release of the iOS version, Epic Games is sitting nice and fat with the release turning out better than expected. In only 90 days... The game was able to amass $100 million to it the most successful mobile game in years. So that's over a million a day. Yeah. Uh. By comparison, it has beaten all other multiplayer mobile action games to $100 million, except for Clash Royale, which accomplished the same feat in 51 days and making $154 million in its first 90 days. 
This was done with the first two weeks being invite only on a closed beta, and the fact that it has yet to reach mobile in China, where it could make even more cash. Yeah. Uh, congratulations, Epic Games, on making Fortnite super successful. Uh, one thing I did want to note that those payments are not pay to win. Those are skins. Right. Limited skins, limited customizations. Fortnite is just pay for... Uh, uh, aesthetics. Aesthetic stuff, yeah. Yes, which is, I think, good. But to get that many people to pay that much... Yeah, must be pretty lucrative stuff. It's definitely a lucrative thing. For sure. Yeah. But congratulations, like I said, Epic Games. Um, don't rely solely on this. Please continue to make more games. Right. <laughs> do something else. Do something we want to play. Yeah. Just do something with that hundred million. Throw it into a new game. Okay. Um, moving on. Or just reskin a game. Moving on. Whereas uh, Fortnite is making epic money, Bethesda is going to maybe uh, lose some money from a lawsuit. Uh, no, they'll be gaining oh, sorry, money. Gaining money from a lawsuit. Warner Brothers, though, might be on the losing end. Yes. They are suing Warner Brothers and their developer Behavior Interactive for stealing their designs, Bethesda's designs, artwork, and codes for Warner Brothers' Westworld mobile app game. They hired Behavior Interactive in 2014 to work on its mobile their mobile app Fallout Shelter. Yes, this shelter, is Bethesda. Bethesda did. Yes. This is written really weird. Sorry. Uh, the same company then went Behavior then went on to create the Westworld mobile app game. Last, uh, two years ago, in 2016. Bethesda is confident in their suit, as both games had the same bugs that appeared in an earlier version of their Fallout Shelter game and have showed up in the Westworld game. Basically, they're saying, you pretty much just ripped off Fallout Shelter. Basically, you just, re you just reskinned. Right. The, do note that this isn't necessarily Warner Brothers' fault. No. Behavior seems to do this. It seemed to be the culprit here. Yes, but Warner Brothers is the IP behind it, though, so that's why they're included in the lawsuit. Right. So Bethesda is, of course, suing to get the game shut down, but also to get a slice of those profits. Yeah. Uh, this has been one of the more profitable games for Warner Brothers Interactive, and yeah. if they're basically using their code, Bethesda is saying, well, we did the work, we, we should get, get the pay. Yeah. But, you know, they also did license this out to Creative Interactive, or... Behavior Interactive, yeah. who also wrote the code. Right. So, depends on how much they actually may or may not. This is where legal battles come in. This is where contracts come in. And shame on Behavior Interactive for reskinning. They, they did the cheap way. Yep. And now they're going to pay. All right. Then let's move on to uh, Microsoft. This is kind of a follow-up to something that you had specifically wanted on your wish list in our pre-E3 podcast. Yes. We were kind of wondering about VR and Microsoft's Xbox One. They had hinted previously that there would be some sort of VR connection for the Xbox One, but nothing was confirmed. It was only like kind of talked about that the Xbox One X, upon its release, would have some sort of interaction with a VR headset. Right. They're saying it's the most powerful console ever created... Yeah out there right now so and yes we will eventually be doing vr capabilities well not so fast because as of now microsoft has pulled back on its plans to support vr headsets on the xbox platform their chief marketing officer of gaming mike nichols said that they don't have any plans in virtual or mixed reality for the xbox one 
and that they believe that the PC is still the best platform for that. This, of course, is a 180 from their previous uh, statements, as I mentioned, specifically from 20, their 2016 E3, E3 press conference, where Phil Spencer said that the X would support high-end VR, and that they had also partnered with Oculus to support Xbox controllers. Microsoft has gone forward with several PC VCR, PC VR headsets by partnering with Samsung and Acer, but for now, Nichols is barely even expressing interest in that platform. So, yeah. So, VR is kind of dead at Microsoft, you say? I was kind of floating when we talked about this off the podcast. I was yeah. kind of floating the idea of, I feel like this is part of their big reversal that they did about when people complained about the lack of exclusives. Mm-hmm. I think this is their way to say, now, never mind, let's not worry about doing R&D to make VR work on this thing when we should be focusing all hands on deck to focus on getting games made. Also, they had time to see what PlayStation VR yeah. does and can do. Um, those numbers have been average at best uh, for PlayStation in terms of not only VR titles being out there, but in terms of like interest and sales. So there's actual hard numbers to back up this data of VR, not necessarily being the platform that people want. So Xbox is focusing more of a TV-related gaming aspect rather yeah. than virtual consoles or anything related to mixed realities. Right. And I mean, also, they, they may have also... Um, Instead of using the funds that they probably had for the VR like R and D, maybe they used those to buy all those studios that they bought. <laughs> yeah, that could be. They bought like ten, <laughs> five or six studios. Yeah, or something ridiculous like that. So I don't know. Who knows what it is? But it's interesting that they're basically putting all their muscle for VR behind the PC, which is probably smart. Right. I think. Well, you also got put. Got to have some room to use VR. Yeah. I mean, I think what they should do is make Forza the, their VR platform because be cool. you don't you don't need to move <laughs> to, to, to to drive a car. You yeah. just put the thing in front of yeah, you and go and drive and look around like you're in a car. Yeah, that'd be cool. You're sitting. It's a sit down thing, and it's all VR around you. That'd be the easiest thing they could do. Well, I don't say easy because it's VR. I have no idea what the hell I'm, I'm talking about, <laughs> but. If you want to make VR something, I think putting it in a car setting would be probably the most fun you could get out of it. Or at least show that, hey, we can actually do something with this by still making you sit still. You don't have to actually be up and moving around. Yeah. That's just my two cents on it. (laughs) Your two cents. Not having developed a VR game in your life. No, not... (laughs) (laughs) Just talking about VR for like the past... 130 episodes or whatever. Yeah, give or take. <laughs> Alrighty, uh, in that case, let's move on to our final and most exciting story, I think, of this entire podcast. Oh, yes. Guess what? It's that time it's again. It's that time again. It's time for Summer Games Done Quick. Now, Woo! we've talked about the Games Done Quick streams here on the podcast before. We're big fans. If you don't know what Games Done Quick is, it is a celebration of all things speedrunning. Speedrunning is essentially when you play a video game super, super, super fast to beat world high score, like high t- like time high score. Basically, to have the fastest beat time of a game 
in the world. Yeah, you're not playing this game for the story. You're playing this to, to complete it. Now, I want to say it's not always about world records for the, this, the speedrunning. Instead, Games Done Quick does it for charity. Runners, as they're called, people who speedrun games, will show off their skills by playing a game super, super fast, and people donate money while they're watching. Uh, that goes straight to charity. So the Summer Games Done Quick, which happens every summer, is the one that's happening right now. It started on Sunday. Uh, Sunday. Sunday. Started on Sunday. Sunday. It continues till Saturday night of this coming week. Yes. Uh, it is this time benefiting Doctors Without Borders, so all money will go towards that. And uh, so far, have raised over six hundred twenty thousand dollars. Ah, six hundred eighty. Six hundred eighty running total right as we speak. Uh, so yeah, running total. See what yep. I did there. <laughs> so yeah, it's a fun thing. You can watch people, individual runners, play a game. You can watch uh, some occasional uh, races where two runners, two or more runners, race against each other to see who has the fastest time. Uh, we're watching right now a race between two people playing the indie game A Hat in Time. Yeah, I think uh, um, yesterday we watched two, three people race uh, Mega Man, Mega Man Six. Six. Yeah, uh, we we also. I mean, check out their schedule. There's bound to be a game that you've yeah. heard of or that you like that you adore, and just watch it be demolished. So yeah, we talked about Awesome Games Done Quick, which is the one they do at the beginning of the year back in January. And yeah, well, the reason we why we watch is because it's super entertaining. To watch people just break games. Yes. Like these runners figure out ways to kind of get around the levels in really creative ways, whether it be like clipping through environments, doing crazy tricks that weren't supposed to happen in the original game, or, playing games in different languages so they run faster, or or saving so you can skip cutscenes. Yeah. It's crashing to the, the, the title screen on purpose. Dying multiple times on purpose. Your iPod just iPad just bailed on me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes, dying multiple times on purpose so you get the extra boost. Yeah. Uh, always fun. It's always fun. It's always a good time. Uh, if you're unable to watch these live, they do keep them recorded and posted on YouTube for you for your enjoyment. Um yeah, we always have a fun time watching them. They're fun. Check out the schedule. So tune in. That's twitch.tv, and you'll find that in one of the featured channels as Summer Games Done Quick. Yes. Uh, if you do donate, it's not just going for charity. You can get prizes out of it, too. If you donate at minimum $150 in total, so that would be in one go, but over the course of the run, if you donate $150, you get entered into their big drawing. That will include, for this year, an Xbox One X, a PS4 Pro, a, a Nintendo Switch, and an Alienware PC gaming computer. Yeah. Now, that's not your choice. That's all of them. That's all of them. Yeah. You get all four. If for, you win. If you win for a $150 entry fee. Uh, we did see somebody earlier donate $3,000. Yeah. I think the right now the record... Uh, for a single donation is at 65000 It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money, but hey, all this is for a good cause. None of these, none of this is going towards the speedrunners. They do this all on their own volition. They do all this running, all this testing on their own. It's all the charity, which is a great way to, one, start summer, but two, to support Doctors Without Borders. You know, these doctors go out there and... Uh, don't have borders. Don't have borders. Stuff. Yeah, they help, they help people in their world countries. They're sans frontiers, yeah. from what I understand. Uh, but yeah, so uh, yeah, ch check that out. That's on Twitch, like I said. 
you'll be able to find it pretty easy, easily on the Twitch homepage, I am sure. Right. All right, let's wrap this up then uh, with some thoughts about a demo. Any video games besides that one? I actually stopped playing a game. You stopped playing a game? Yes, believe it or not, I have stopped playing um, your a Marvel, Marvel game. game. What happened? Yes. What happened? You ran out? Oh, no, I got. Game? No, I didn't run out of game. I just got too busy to yeah. where I couldn't keep up with the daily stuff. Right. And so I fell behind on doing the daily tasks. And now I just haven't gone back to it. I could, but I'm, I've hit that point where it's going to take me a while to continue to level up. I was just doing the same thing over and over again, leveling up the same characters, and then trying to level up everyone else to unlock more stuff, but I couldn't. I needed more shards. Yeah. And it got to that point in most video games like this where my time put into it outran the time it took me to progress. <laughs> right. And while that does kind of suck, um, I got, what, almost like three months out of it? <laughs> yeah, you got a lot of time out of that game. Yeah, almost three months worth of time for a free game. Um, Not bad. Without paying anything. Yeah, I said I got my zero dollars worth for it. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a definitely fun game. Definitely check it out. Uh, they will continue to do multiple promotional stuff. I think also the one thing I did stop was that they stopped doing a lot of the promotional stuff because mm -hmm. no more Marvel films. I do still get the notifications constantly, though. I gotta stop that somehow. <laughs> but, yeah, it keeps wanting me to come back. But I stopped playing it. I mean, I've, I'm done with it. I'm kind of done with most of that kind of game now. But we'll, we'll see what happens if Final Fight something new to play. I am sure you will. I'm sure I will. But you did find something new to play, though. We did. So, earlier in the show, we mentioned The Awesome Adventures of Captain Spirit, which is the name of the demo of sorts for Life is Strange 2 by the people who brought you Life is Strange 1, the developer Don't Nod. So Don't Nod also just recently... I told you not to. Don't Nod. Um... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> they recently also put out their second game, Vampire, yes. uh, which we have not played. But uh, this is also what they're working on. And this is it's set up like a demo. It is a free episode in the vein of A Life is Strange. So it is looking around your environment. It is learning things by context clues in your environment. It is interacting with the other characters, making decisions uh, that affect the story at a later time. But the difference this time is that you are a 12-year-old boy. 11. Or 11, whatever. Yeah. Same difference. You are a young boy, um, and this kind of changes some certain things in the Life is Strange setup. You're not, not making life-or-death decisions. Right. You're not getting involved in any, like, life-threatening issues. Yeah. It's not that kind <laughs> of thing. It is you're a kid, and you're dealing with uh, life with your father. After your uh, mother has passed away. Uh, passed her away or no longer or there. Something. We're unsure. It sounds like she passed away. That's what it sounds uh, like. But yeah, and uh, I'm not that far into it. I'm probably like maybe 45 minutes in. Um, I'm sure there's a lot more game there. Uh, there's a lot more that I have to do on my to-do list. It is seemingly a little bit more open-ended than the Life is Strange games got. I think... Like, sometimes in Life is Strange, you've got, like, a little bit of freedom to kind of mess around with your environments. This is, like, those portions. Mm -hmm. But kind of writ large. Like, this entire thing seems like it's that. 
where it's like, oh, here are a bunch of tasks that you can kind of complete in any order. So just wander around the house and figure it out. Yeah, I don't know uh, if it opens up after that, but we'll we'll see. We'll see. Uh, so far, the internal commentary is very much like Life is Strange. Yeah, you like doing the internal uh, introspective thoughts or like about stuff in the about room. Stuff in the stuff. room. Yeah, that's definitely written from the people. You can definitely tell. Yeah, uh, but uh, but the perspective being different actually does affect kind of the vibe of the game. Yeah, it feels like a, it feels different because you are a child, a very imaginative t- child. And so they do get to play around with like the fantasy stuff a little more. You like the cute button. Yeah, the, there's a there's something that I call the cute button, which is basically like the kid can interact with certain uh, environmental things in different ways by pretending he has superpowers. Yeah, like you could turn on. I try to turn on the TV. Yeah, with his with hand. When <laughs> he's really just using the remote with his other hand. Yeah. Stuff like that. So it's it's a kid being a kid, being an imaginative kid. Kind of dealing with like having a father who's maybe not the best role model in the world. So I'm sure sports be more that comes out of that. Um, I'll talk about probably how that wraps up next week once I finish it up because it's probably not too much longer. I would bet it's probably only like a two-hour experience. Right, like we said, this is a demo. This is yeah. not a full game. So this is from the looks of it might be the first like episode yeah to be honest though i'm not super hot on it right now uh probably because i haven't really gotten to the meat of it yet but also because i was expecting more hooks into the life of the strange universe so far all i've seen is that there is a letter from the principal of uh the academy you're also half paying attention because you're texting someone else oh, and yeah. then you left like yeah because it wasn't hooking me it hasn't hooked me yet yeah it's fine. You have to keep in mind the thing that I like about the Life is Strange universe is the story, and this doesn't have a whole lot of that yet. Well, it's it's all know, set. Up like if you that. play more, you'll get to the story. No, I will. Like like what I said, it hasn't hooked me yet, and probably will later. Yeah, you, you, um, you've read some stuff where like people broke down. Right, and we haven't gotten there yet. Yeah, like it's, it breaks people or something. Yeah, I mean, again though. There are perspectives I have read from people who have children that seem to grab towards this thing, and I could see that if I had maybe a more of that kind of thing, that would have a reason to. Well, like an inkling for kids. No, no, like like having a relationship with the sun. I do not have a relationship with the sun, so I don't necessarily know a whole lot of the context there. So I don't know. We'll see what happens with the rest of the game. I'll report back next week when I play more of it. Yep. We'll play more of it. But in the meantime, let's plug away. I did, well, I'm yep, that will wrap up video games. That's um, how I played. Um, we're going to look into acquiring some Mario Tennessee. Maybe. Um, maybe. I, it's a big investment because I want to buy the Pro Controller. You want that Controller. And so that's a $120 investment. Yeah. So I have to do that. And I recently found out that apparently I'm not renting. I'm buying a suit, which was news to me. Yeah. So I didn't realize that, yeah. Anyways, so I didn't realize it was going to be out $300, so we'll see what happens. We'll see. All right, so yeah, um, so that will do it for video games, and I'll do it for the Media Vote Podcast. If All right. you want to find us, we are on YouTube streaming every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Pacific time. Except for maybe next week. Except for next week, we'll kind of play fast and loose next week because it is a holiday. But generally speaking, generally speaking, we are on YouTube. You don't, spe- you don't salute search. generally speaking. You, we are on YouTube. Just search Media Boat Podcast, and you'll find our page there. You can subscribe to us and get notifications when we go live. 
You can also find us on in audio format on iTunes or podcasters, other podcasters of uh, your choice. Do note that if you find us on iTunes, it's only the past ten episodes. Yeah, the only post the past ten episodes for us, so you only go right now as it stands back to March of this year. But if you want to find all our podcasts, you can go to Podbean, where we host our podcasts. We have the entire archive there, I think. Yes. So the entire archive, those are all listed. You may have to go back like 20 pages or so. But you'll find it. You'll find all 130-plus Podbean.com. Just search Podbean, uh, search Media Boat Podcast on there, and you'll find everything. Actually, you'll find more because we do all the specials, too. Everything. Yeah. Also... If you want to follow us on social media, we're on Twitter at, at MediaBoatCast. Or sorry, at MediaBoat. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, at MediaBoatCast. That sounds wrong. Uh, we are also on Facebook. Facebook. Just search Media Boat Podcast, and you'll find our page there. You can like and comment. If you want to find us on Twitch.tv for our streams of video games, you can find us at Twitch.tv slash MediaBoat. And lastly, if you want to support us financially, you can go to Patreon.com slash MediaBoat. There you can donate as little as a dollar a month. If uh, more people support us, we will eventually make exclusive content just for our patrons, and it will help us make what we do even better. So thank you in advance for supporting us. All right, that'll do it for the Media Boat Podcast. We'll be back sometime next week, probably for an audio-only version of the show. So tune in for that. In the meantime, we are gone, and I need to rest my freaking voice. Yeah, you talked about during the Incredibles, and then you kept talking. And then talking. I talked about before before that on the phone for almost two hours. Yeah. I've been talking a lot. All right. I need to stop talking. Well, I'm going to the gym. All right. Okay. Thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.